Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. Good morning, Bethesda Church. Good morning. Oh my goodness. I said, good morning, Bethesda Church. Good morning, Are guys. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. Come on, give yourselves a big hand. You look great today on Memorial Weekend. So excited and honored that you're here. The stage got a big upgrade this week because PK has been added to the platform. Uh, and so we're really excited about what God has given us, um, basically, Uh, some questions from you guys. I'm going to go ahead and have a seat. Um, But PK, you want to set up the day, kind of what we're going to do before we dive in? Yes, we've done this one, uh, this kind of series before, or this kind of uh, sermon message before. Sometimes PC has taken the questions and broken them down into like a whole sermon. And so we did it for like, I think three or four weeks one time. A couple times we've done it more like this, where it's been more like you've asked a question and then we just kind of um, come together with the, the answers to those specific questions and kind of just have like a little couch time, conversation time. And so um, that's what we're going to do this morning. And uh, so we thank everybody who submitted questions in that we can talk about typically on these sort of things it's usually the same kind of subjects um that kind of you know come around um I don't know if I'll give you any wisdom more than Everly gave me this morning on our way to church and so I'm going to share that with you so you'll at least walk away with one nugget um my uh, sweet little five-year-old consistently works with me to make us late to most places and um so I was trying my best to do like 16 things in the car message Chad telling him I would in fact show up um, to, to today's sermon because you know, it was about 15 minutes ago and I was still in our neighborhood and um, she wanted to listen to Justin Bieber, you know, um, baby, 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 you know, oh, that's somewhere she's heard it. She didn't learn it from us, but we downloaded it. Now it's a part of my music selections and she wanted to listen to it. Anyway, I was telling her to just basically stop talking to me so I could think for a second and put mascara on and drive the car and, and text Chad and do all the things, not hit anybody, you know. And so she said, mom, I love you even when you're not nice. (laughs) And so I paused for a minute and I thought there's a lot of wisdom in that because it, in, in all things, even when people are not nice, um, even though I had been bowed down to her all morning, everything she wanted, um, she was not considering me nice at that moment because I'd ask her to stop talking. Um, but that's a lot of wisdom. I sat there and thought about that. Loving someone when they're not nice. And so I just thought, I'll share that before I do any of this, because just in case I don't ever give any more wisdom, Everly had some wisdom this morning, and so I shared it with you. Go home with that. Just, you know, ponder on it all day. The wisdom of a five-year-old. Loving even when people aren't nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You didn't know I was going to say that. I did not. I know. You didn't know what I was going to say, did you? Yeah, I didn't. All right. Do you want to ask me the first question that was sent in, or do you want me to ask you the first question? Mm, Let me see what the first question is. I'm going to ask you this question. Oh, I figured. It's deep revelation kind of book stuff. Oh, yeah. Save this for you. Um, Will the rapture happen before the tribulation or in the middle of tribulation? Let's just jump right into the deep end of the pool, right? (laughs) Um, You know, that is a loaded question. Um, 
It's a good question because there are many camps, many different um, viewpoints on when the rapture of the church will take place. Um, there's actually three different camps. You know, there, there are those who believe that the rapture takes place before the tribulation. There are those who believe that the rapture takes place in the middle of the tribulation. Uh, but you also have people that believe the rapture takes place after the tribulation. So there's three different camps. Uh, but the church you're sitting in today, we are of the camp. Our tribe believes in the rapture of the church prior to the seven-year tribulation. Um, as a matter of fact, one of our declarations of faith, um, and you can pull it up on our website or even our network, the Church of God, you could look this up. But we believe in the premillennial second coming of Jesus, first to resurrect the righteous dead and to catch away the living saints to him in the air. And secondly, that you and I would reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Now, this is one of those questions, PK, that honestly, I could spend the next four weeks unpacking um, because there's so many um, prophetic scriptures that we could look at. We can look at Israel. Um, we can look in the Old Testament, um, even in the seven days of creation. Uh, many theologians believe that in the seven days of creation, it is parallel to the 7,000 years of human history. Uh, that there are 6,000 years and then 1,000 years set aside for the millennial reign of Christ. But Jesus did say, say something um, pretty profound in Matthew's gospel. Uh, he said that just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when I return. And so uh, when you look at what was going on in Noah's day, Noah lived like 950 years, but the Bible said when he was 600 years old, he got in the boat, the ark. And I believe that the ark was a picture in the Old Testament of the rapture in the New Testament. That before judgment is poured out, and we know the seven-year tribulation is a topic all by itself where there's three and a half years of peace and then three and a half years of turmoil. But the scripture does tell us that Noah got in the boat, he and his family were saved before the rain started. And I believe that during those seven year, uh, years of tribulation, before the 1,000 years that we come back uh, to rule and reign with Christ, I believe that we, those who are ready, and I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say it like this for those of you that would, you know, maybe you're scratching your head. Whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, rapture, the, the point is make sure your heart is ready so that you can leave here on the first bus load. You know, I, I don't wanna wait around for... <laughs> a second opportunity, um, but we wanna be ready. I, I think one of the things that we have to understand, I believe with all my heart that as this world is going through and enduring seven years of tribulation, you and I are supposed to be eating the marriage supper of the lamb with Christ uh, over those seven years, and God knows I can eat for seven years, amen? I, I hope that answers the question. PK, would you add anything to that practically? No, I think, you know, there's, uh, there's so many books out there, and honestly, you know, you could delve into different authors, and um, I think, you know, on, on some of it, it's still just speculation. I believe that, you know, a lot of people believe what they write about, uh, but I think, you know, on, on those subjects, it's so important to go into your own prayer time, read the Word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment about it. And then if you can't, you know, necessarily get discernment about it, maybe it's not something we're really supposed to spend that much time thinking on. As you said, there's a lot of theologians and people who spend a lot of time trying to map and, 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 and 
target dates out and stuff like that. And I don't really know that it's for any man to know, but I think, you know, uh, why would any of us wait until the last minute to um, prepare our hearts, to prepare um, our lives, to live for him? Um, You know, I think that's the the most important thing. And you did a series um, a few Mm -hmm. years ago, and it was entitled... Um, The End Times. The End Times. And that is... Yeah, that is uh, probably not on the website just because of uh, the archives, how they keep it, but it's on the podcast. The podcast. Um, so you can go back if you want a little bit more information um, and you want to study that a little bit deeper. Uh, but I think, you know, the most important thing with that is, yeah, there are lots of authors, lots of books out there. Some things are a little questionable, you know, or maybe one chapter is really on and you know it's on, the rest of it might be. So I would just say take everything with a grain of salt with that and, and take everything into prayer um, and, and, and just seek that out in, um, in your reading time, your study time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, I think there's so much about the book of Revelations, the book of, um, that just lets us in some ways need to lean into him uh, for uh, understanding. And then uh, th- some things I think are supposed to be a little bit above our heads so that we um, don't think we know at all anyway right. um, in regards to all that. So, and I think I it's know, important too early. with that. I'll say one more thing. It's important not to get in arguments with people over that right. because whether you believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, how many know we shouldn't be, because ar- it's not really a heaven-hell issue. It's a theological issue whether Jesus comes before the tribulation, in the middle, or after, how many of sometimes you may have to agree to disagree with someone, but you don't have to fight with them or prove them wrong. Yeah, I'll clap right there because I've watched people fight over that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, definitely not one of those like non-negotiables like, right. you know, that we know about in, in other parts of the Bible that we just, you know, don't have to necessarily argue about. Absolutely. And I just really, really hope he takes me early. Um, because I know my children and myself, and we're not going to do well um, without a whole lot of stuff. You know, I just, uh, if, if we enter into a land with, um, where we need to be responsible for. Um, the Dingus family will not be running through the woods. No, no. Trying to survive. I think sometimes the families. I'll come on out and say, take me. Yeah, like Matt and Heather Clodges, you know, you've got to get near their yard or someplace. You know, they're going to yeah, have the ability to live off the land and to, you know, fight off anything <laughs> in a war. But the dinguses, I'm not sure you would want to come to our yard and hang with us, you know, uh, in, a, in a big old uh, apocalyptic type of battle. I don't know. Maybe we would. We just, we're we're going to be good at praying. I don't know about the rest of it. So yeah. I think Jesus is going to know that about me and realize that uh, Eli and Zeke are going to struggle without Wi-Fi tremendously, and um, hopefully we're just, you know, going up and have a chicken leg or something. Absolutely. Um, Question number two. You guys ready for number two? All right. Um, Totally different kind of question. Uh, I'll ask you this one. Is the King James translation of the Bible the only translation that I should read? Ooh. Let me get everybody mad, right? <laughs> you can answer this one, Karen. Just tick off the couple different denominations. Um, I think what we have to remember is the King James is a translation. You know, everything is a translation of it. And so I believe that um, we need to honor the Word of God in all ways. Um, we need to read any translation of the Bible and really 
look to see what the, 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 the original root meanings of the words are um, so that we can know what we're actually saying if we're telling someone an accurate description of something. Um, but I think that, you know, if a translation is easier to read for someone, to understand for someone that causes them to delve into studying the Word of God, because I'll be honest with you, um, I've done a lot of community groups, and the Word of God is very, um, what would be the word? Um, overwhelming uh, to a large population of people. They are comfortable with an app that sends them a scripture every morning, but to open up a physical Bible and read it is intimidating for a large portion of, of the world. I didn't realize that. I think it may be after, like, after my generation or something. Maybe it's just uh, from what I've had in communication with other people. But I think getting into the Word of God if, if the King James translation is super difficult for with the, you know, the thou's and all that kind of stuff to just get in there and, and read, then find one that you can read. And then I think comparing it against other translations, uh, maybe even have one that has two in one. Uh, but I don't think it's the only one. That's my own personal opinion right. uh, that you can read. I don't think that... Um, that I would be hesitant to tell anyone who picked up one, period. It's a whole lot better than a lot of the things they're watching on um, TV, a whole lot of other things, you know. Uh, so yeah. I've, you know. That's good. Yeah. Any, any translation is probably going to do them better uh, than uh, watching a whole season of Game of Thrones or what, what's some of those Netflix things? I don't even know. Some of those things that people invest an entire weekend in, you know, they'll spend like, you know, 12 hours and it just keeps restarting the next season or whatever. What's that one Zeke likes? Heartland. Heartland. The horses or whatever. I always say, go watch your horses. Go watch. <laughs> the grandparents came up and he uh, started watching that and he kind of got addicted. But, yeah. you know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in things. Is there a most accurate reflection of what, what happened in that time? Um, yes, but I think we would have to go back and know Greek and Hebrew and really be able to right. understand those words in order for us to really go. So I think everything is a translation and I don't think that... Um, you're going to go to hell for reading a different version. Absolutely. You have more to add to that? Um, I, I just would say I echo what PK said. I, you know, the King, King James translation is like every other Bible. It's a translation. Um, if you want to get technical, um, we would all have to learn Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Um, and I don't think most of us are going to spend that, that amount of time learning all those original languages that the Bible was written in. So I would encourage you, find a translation that you're most comfortable reading, and then if you come across a word or a phrase that you don't understand or need further meaning, then you can actually, on your computer, uh, pull up um, through Google or wherever, you can pull up a Strong's Concordance and you, you can click on the word, and it'll give you the original Hebrew meaning, the original Greek meaning if it's New Testament. Uh, and that will keep you from, you know, I guess going the wrong direction in what you're reading. Um, so I, I would just say, if you're reading the Bible, kudos. Like, that's a big deal. Big deal. Every believer should be opening the Bible Absolutely. In the, during their week and, and digging into it. Uh, what is your favorite in this season of life? I know you have a, a bunch, yeah. but what's I, your favorite I've Bible gone right through now? seasons. When I first got saved, I'm going to unhook this thing because my neck gets stuck and I can't turn it. Um, but when I first got saved, I grew up in a church that was real heavy on you need a King James. And so I started with King James, and, and I can quote a ton of verses, like a ton of verses 
Um, but I know them by heart through the King James Version. And so um, a few years ago, I just had to make, uh, several years ago now, had to make an adjustment as we began uh, to, we decided we're going to reach people. Um, I kind of went away from what I knew and from what I learned how to quote and uh, use the amplified version for a season, the message translation uh, at certain times. But my favorite, uh, and has been for probably 10 years, is just the new international version. I like the NIV. Um, it's uh, an easy read. Um, and just like I mentioned, if I come across something that doesn't, uh, I don't really know the meaning or significance, I'll go back um, to the original meaning and find out what it is. And that, that helps me as I'm reading. Yeah. How about you? You have a favorite? Um, the one I've used for the last couple of years has been Jensen. Jensen Franklin is a voice that I have listened to, a pastor that I've listened to for probably a couple of decades now. And uh, probably who I would say is, besides you, um, the pastor that I listen to most and um, uh, relate to how he communicates the Word of God, um, his messages, you know, Jensen's speak to me. The goat. Yeah, and um, so his, uh, the one that he put together had a ton of fasting resources and other things. So a few years ago at a conference, I grabbed that one. And um, so it's, it's the one I've used, and I, I really like it. It's an investment Bible if you're going to uh, buy one. Um, but I really, you know, can't imagine much more that you could invest in in your life than uh, something like that that you're going to, uh, to have. If it's, it's not one I would take a bunch of notes in necessarily um, if you're one that wants to, you know, really study and do all that kind of stuff right. just because it's, you know, a little bit pricier. I would probably buy something else if you're still, like, memorizing and, and doing that sort of thing. But, um, you know, mark them up. Yeah. Leave a roadmap for somebody else to, to read later. Anything else on that one? I'm good. If you are. Wonderful. Um, hopefully we answered their question. Um, oh, you, you want to like tell a joke or anything before we delve back in? It's going to get a little deeper. The way this flow is going, <laughs> I'm getting like a, a apocalypse, tribulation, and now this one. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm ready. It's, it's early and, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not the one, you know, I've, I've been in, you know, I was trying to worship and we had Bieber on. So, I mean, it's not even like I'm really, you, you know, not I'm prepared. not as holy as you. So you need to handle questions like revelation and, um, um, the topics of sexual sin, you know. Um, so let's, uh, let's delve in. Number three, uh, how does God view the topic of homosexuality? Is it a sin to support that lifestyle? And what uh, about other sexual sins? Um, I'm getting the easy stuff. <laughs> um, that is a, another great question, loaded question. And I did take time uh, once I knew this was on the list, to make a few notes, we tried not to pre over-prepare because we really wanted to give you like the way we believe or the way we would answer these uh, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but also to give you some biblical insight. Uh, I do want to be very, very clear, though, because I think there's a lot of cloudiness around this topic. Um, God's Word defines homosexuality as a sin, all right? So we have to establish... You know, what, what do we believe is truth? The Word of God establishes homosexuality as sin, um, but he labels it as sin just like adultery, pornography, lust, gossip. Um, I think what happens with the sin of homosexuality a lot of times from a, from a believer's standpoint, sometimes I've seen believers do this, they want to classify it in a category all by itself. And the other part that I see with this particular sin is those that are in it or involved in it a lot of times don't want to admit that it's wrong. 
Um, and so you take someone who cheats on his wife, just adultery. Usually that, that gentleman, he knows I've done wrong. If someone looks at pornography, they know they have done wrong. Um, but a lot of times with homosexuality, there is a defense in our culture. Y'all understand what I'm talking about, right? Like, um, they defend it. Like, it's not wrong, it's okay, God understands, God made me this way, all those things. Um, but we have to understand from a biblical view, it is a sin, just like adultery, lust, pornography, all the other sexual sins. But what you have to understand about all sexual sins is that it's not only a sin against God, but the Bible tells us it's a sin against your own body. Um, there was a scripture, and I debated whether or not to bring it up here with me because it's a New Testament scripture about this very question. Um, but it's in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over. You got to check this out. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Now here's where it really goes in on the topic, verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, I don't know how you can read that and come away and think that homosexuality is not a sin. It is clearly a sin and, and is called by the Word of God, it, it's a shameful act. It's a sin against God, a sin against um, your physical body. And, and the, the second half of the question PK asked was, um, is God going to, or, or if we support them, is that wrong or, or, or are we going to be judged if we support those in that lifestyle? And I want to say very clearly, we are for all people. Amen. We are for all people. I am so tired of churches only standing up for what they are against. Right. We're against this. We're against that. We're, we're against this over here. We are for all people, but, but just because we are for all people doesn't mean that we support all lifestyles. If you're a gossip, we're not for gossip, but we're for you. If you're, if you're a liar, we're not for lying, but we are for you. We're not going to support the lie. If, if you are in a homosexual relationship, uh, we are for you, but we don't support your lifestyle. There is a balance in speaking the truth in love. And when it comes to this topic, I think we have to be very careful that we provide love, 
but we also got to speak the truth in love. Does that make sense, everybody? I hope so. Yeah, I, I think it's so true that we, we want to make sure that we are reflecting the fact that we believe the word of God to be truth. We believe his design, his, his, what he wrote in the chapters to be accurate, to be what he wanted to play out. Um, but I would just, you know, challenge uh, all of us in our thinking a little bit. Um, ooh, I'm not going to make any friends with this. But we have a lot of opinions about a lot of lifestyles. But if you are going to have a harsher reaction to a homosexual couple or a friend who is living that lifestyle than you are your, uh, your buddy Johnny who's sleeping around on his wife, then there's a problem within your moral character. So good. Sexual sin is sexual sin. Johnny deserves to have friends, but so does everybody else. And in the same regard, if your friend is struggling with pornography and you know that, it is the same situation. Right. We want better for them. We don't want bondage. We don't want things that are contrary to what the Word of God states because when we're living in that, that frame of thinking, we can't be in His perfect will. Right. Uh, we can't have the open heaven over our lives. We, we don't want to bring curses into our lives. We don't want to bring um, circumstances, situations. And so we didn't create the design. You know, we're just supportive of God's design, God's plan, God's word, believing it from the beginning to the end. So I just think, you know, it's really important that we, um, that we really look at sexual sin for what it is. And heterosexuals have a lot of sexual sin um, to deal with without dealing with anybody else's sexual sin. Really good. Um, there are a couple books. I did not bring my notes up here, but uh, we, yeah. we were t when we prepared for this, we were talking about some things. Um, I think resources are really important, and in regards to sexual sin, there are a few resources that have came about in the last decade that I think are really great for people. Um, there are some accountability partners that you can put on your devices, your phone, your iPad, your computer. Ever Accountable is Ever one. Ever Accountable is um, one of them. There's another one. I don't remember if I wrote it down or not. Um, um, yeah. But what it basically does is it allows you for, I don't know, $100 a, a year or something to, to set up a protocol where you can put in an accountability partner, you can put in a friend, a pastor, your spouse, um, who they then have access to read like a monthly report or a weekly report, a weekly report. Um, of what you've actually delved into uh, while you were in, you know, on the internet, on, uh, on your phone. And, um, you know, sometimes I think people, they, they want to try a lot of things to fix their marriage. But when pornography has been a part of the demise of a relationship, um, $100 a year is not a lot to save your marriage. And so um, I think, you know, that is a daily thing that prevents um, the spouse from feeling worried, anxious, uh, trying to, you know, be a constant monitor, you know, looking over your, your shoulder, wondering, you know, what you're doing. But, you know, marriage is sacred and um, the enemy battles it. And not just marriage, just our own purity. Um, even people who are not married, um, it is battled significantly. And not just from the male standpoint, it's also, um, you know, females are very much plagued by the same thing with pornography. So I think it's important um, to know that that's out there. There's a couple books um, you've done every, a group before. Every Man's Battle. Every and I think battle. they came out with an Every Woman's Battle Every Woman's well. Battle. There's some resources out there. And we talked about that. And, you know, um, we may put some of those uh, back into 
the store just to have as availability for people. And again, just because you're picking something like that up doesn't mean it's even necessarily for you. Sometimes we have family members that we know struggle or friends whose marriages are, you know, really, really in a, in a war, just trying to overcome something like that. And oftentimes right. that is something that has began well before a marriage started and it is a battle. And, um, that's one of those things that people hide a lot. It feels, I mean, even though it's a huge industry, I feel like it's something that's hidden and it's definitely still something that plagues members of the church. Um, and I think we'd be crazy to not think that that's still um, a factor out there. And so if that's something that you're dealing with today and the shame and the guilt and, you know, the conviction, condemnation is all, you know, in your head, in your life, if you're watching online, if you see this later, please know that God has healing for that. There is hope, and um, I do believe that um, reaching out to get some accountability, some resources is really the best way to find freedom in that. Um, anything done in the dark um, needs to be brought into the light for healing to truly take place. Absolutely. Um, not everyone has to know your struggles, but I do think that it's important that you have some strong people who will hold you accountable that, that care about your success in your marriage, in your life, to do that uh, in, in regards to uh, sexual purity. So I think, um, were there any other resources we wanted to share with that? No, I think that was the three okay. that we had We tried about. to think yesterday in regards to certain questions, if there would be a resource or there'd be a book or something that we would recommend um, to, to to kind of just give a next step because four or five minutes, six minutes of a conversation is really not everything that we could right. talk about in a subject, but we want to give somebody a, a, another resource. Yeah, and I would just end that with just saying if, if you're um, struggling with sexual sin, w whatever that is, pornography or any of that, um, we are for you and God is for you. And there is freedom, and I would encourage you to get as close to God as you can and get you some accountability people in your life that can hold you accountable. How many know that sometimes freedom is a choice that you have to make, and you got to surround yourself with the right people in order to walk out that freedom? Um, you ready for number four? I hope. All right. Is it possible to be addicted to a substance and be saved? I believe it is. Um, I believe that people come into a relationship with Christ um, in a lot of different stages of their life. And um, unfortunately, especially in this season of life where that we're currently living, um, there is a huge um, addicted population, um, especially in West Virginia, but just even worldwide. And um, it, substance abuse um, does not mean that someone doesn't want a relationship with God. I just don't believe that's true. I do believe that addiction and the addictive parts of our, our brain, our personalities, the things that, that, that tie into that are often um, such a, a hurdle for so many people. And I have such compassion, not only for the person that's struggling with the addiction, but also their families, um, their friends, their loved ones who are, you know, who are rooting for them as well. Um, but I believe that a lot of times... People come in, even mornings here, uh, first Wednesdays here, um, and they are addicted. And they come and they find Jesus. They, they choose Jesus. They choose that relationship. But then they do go back out, and that addiction is not always immediately removed from their life. Right. That thorn in their flesh is not always immediately removed in their life. Sometimes we, we plant seeds and we have to eat the, the fruit of those seeds. And um, so I think it's really important for us to have grace. People should 
after they come into a relationship with Jesus, should not want to be addicted. They should be having an active plan on coming out of addiction. Um, I don't believe you can be saved and not want to be free from that. Um, but I do believe that people come into um, their relationship with Christ with a lot of baggage, a lot of struggles, and I believe addiction can be one of those things or yeah. substance abuse. Very good. Um, yeah, when you come to Christ, I, I totally believe you can be saved and addicted at the same time. I just think that the way we go about dealing with addiction a lot of times is upside down. I think we attack addictions from the outside in uh, when really if we're, if we're going to overcome addiction, we, we have to understand that external changes start with internal changes. So it's not about I need to stop doing this, stop doing that. It's about getting my heart in the right place because real transformation takes place from the inside out. And we got to be careful that we're not, as a church, casting judgment on people who are trying to serve God but are battling an addiction because the longer... Yeah, go ahead right there. we got to be very careful because there are some people who genuinely love Jesus, but they're, they are still struggling with something. Um, and the longer something has a hold on us, we, we begin to tie it to identity. Um, and a person who's been addicted over time, if that thing has a grip on them for a significant uh, portion of time, instead of uh, associating that as something they do, they start associating that as, as something they are. They become their addiction. Uh, and, and so I've met people that, you know, they haven't drunk, they haven't had a drink of alcohol in 20 years, and they still introduce themselves like, my name's Chad, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, no, you were an alcoholic. If you haven't taken a drink in 20, you're not an alcoholic. You've got to separate what you did from who you are. And I think the church ought to be the place where the addicts come. Absolutely. I think this ought to be the place where we can walk people through to a place of freedom. Um, and there's a lot of ways. How would you recommend someone... Other than following Jesus, that's the first step in getting free from addiction. But what else would you, would you say a person should do if they're battling some type of substance addiction, but they want to have a relationship with Jesus as well? I think the number one thing that people have to realize is that healing takes time. Yeah. Now, I do know of people who have been delivered from substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be, um, immediately upon salvation. God just delivered them, and, you know, I don't know why it's that way sometimes, but I do know that it, it did occur. And so I believe in an instantaneous healing deliverance from that desire, that way of life. But... Um, I do, I what you spoke about a moment ago in regards to the inside versus looking at the external, the why is so important. And um, as a nurse, uh, as an OR nurse, um, you know, I, I know a lot about wound healing. I know a lot about the layers of it. And, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. And it has to be intentional if you have a break in a bone, if you have uh, multiple layers of the skin that are um, severed or cut through in order to get to something. It has to heal back, right. you know, and that doesn't happen overnight. And oftentimes the, the physician, the, uh, the therapist, whoever's working with you, the priority is not on you getting back to normal in regards to tomorrow. It's about getting you there in, in, in the time frame that it's going to take for that to happen. And they often know, you know, uh, it's going to take six weeks for this. Or, and so what you do in that wound healing is you prioritize your life around that. So you take time off of work, 
somebody else may be helping with your kids. You can't drive. You can't do this. You can't do that. Whatever it might be. And so, you know, there's a priority on wound healing. Now, something I don't think occurs often enough with substance abuse, which is, I believe, healing of a wound, you know, because usually there's a why behind it. Occasionally that's not the situation, but usually that's, there's a why behind why, you know, you get there to begin with that you're actually, you know, ingesting or taking those things. If you don't take the time, if you don't do the hard work, if you don't go to the therapy, if you don't go and, you know, take the time away from everybody else and just focus on you, because it's not fun when you have your abdomen cut open for, uh, or a heart uh, surgery or whatever it might be, you don't really want to stop taking care of your family or stop being at work. But for that time, that season, you have to prioritize yourself. And I feel like often substance abuse is just something that we do in the in the past time of our day. We still go to work. We still, you know, are all with our kids. We're doing all. That's not the greatest way for a wound to heal. That's not the greatest way to 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 reach healing. It is a long term goal. Right. Um, but I do believe that sometimes isolating, not isolating, that wouldn't be the right word, removing yourself from scenarios that would cause you to not focus on your healing are important in certain seasons. And sometimes that means that you're, you know, you're going to be out of work or you may lose funding and stuff like that. So if we really love the addict, we're going to work on ways to help them actually get to that healing um, so that they can, you know, not be at work for, uh, you know, some weeks and their family can still survive or that mom can still get everybody to basketball practice. And if we're going to be the church and we're going to love somebody through that, it's more than just, I'm going to pray for you, you know. So good. If somebody cuts their leg in half and they are going to be repairing that over 10 months or something because of an accident because they fell from a tree or they, you know, a, a, a motor vehicle accident or something, we're going to show up more than just saying, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to bake meals. We're going to take kids. We're going to pick up from kids. We're going to, you know, do all the, the running. We're going to help get groceries. We're going to do those things. And so I think that's what is really important for us uh, to remember as a church. It's more than just, yeah. you know, I'll pray for you and you're going to get better. You know, I think we have to remember that we're all doing a, a, a significant work. There is a wound to heal with that. And, um, and I believe that personally we have to take accountability anytime we have an addiction. And we also need to really dig into a prayer life with Jesus. Because in the middle of the night when you want to take that substance, when you want to drink, when you want to pull in and get whatever it is from that, that store or that place where you know you can get it, that accountability partner might not always be there, but Jesus is. And if you're not in talking to him every day, if you're not, you know, praying and having an open dialogue with him, if you're not asking the Holy Spirit to check you, you'll pull right in and you'll get whatever it is and then you'll feel guilty later. But you, if you, if you partner up with him, right. there is something that can occur spiritually that I feel like is super powerful. But there's, there's multi-layers to that, but I do believe that people Absolutely. can be... Uh, desiring, seeking out, walking out a relationship with Christ and still struggle with substance abuse. I believe that. Um, Let's not forget prayer and fasting is one of the tools God has given us to break addictions because prayer is about intimacy, which means I'm getting close to God. Fasting is about disconnecting from anything in the world that has the potential to become an idol. So I'm, I'm getting close to God and I'm disconnecting from the world. And as I'm doing that, addictions can and will be broken. It's why Jesus said certain things are not going to move until you what? Pray and fast. Uh, That's on a spiritual level. On a practical level, there are resources. Um, We have done Celebrate Recovery uh, for several years here as one of the small groups. There is actually a Celebrate Recovery book. 
I think it's a 365-day devotional. Uh, If you've struggled with addiction, you can start that, and there's a devotion each day all year long. Um, But you've got to put in the work if you want to get free from something that's had you in bondage for a significant amount of time. Right, right. Yeah. So true. So, you ready to move on? I think we probably should. All right. Number five, I guess you get to ask me this one. Oh, okay. You get this one. Uh, When you die, is it acceptable to God for you to be cremated? Um, can I, can I be real honest? I get this question a ton, like, cause I do funerals and so people will say, you know, is it okay if I, if my loved one is cremated and I get it all the time. Um, I don't care if you're put in a casket or you're cremated. When we die, our body returns to the earth and our spirit goes with God if we're a follower of Jesus. So I don't care if you got a casket or you're cremated, it's irrelevant. Now, we don't want to cremate someone who's alive. (laughs) But if they're dead, fair game, all good. Does that make sense? I'll let you speak to it if you want to. That's all I got on I just, that. I, I mean, the ones who have that question, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know if you really actually understand what happens as, to a decomposing body. It's not, it's not going to remain anyway. You know, it's not like, you know, it's, you're going to just take that body back up and that skin, I mean, it's just, it's going I don't want to be graphic because some people are just not and it's early. I don't know if There's everybody's had There's a reason why coffee. the Bible says ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. Okay. I think we're good on that one. I think so too. I, I don't feel like I should add anything to it. Um, number six, um, we only got two more. Uh, number six, what are three disciplines that made your Christian walk successful? Hmm. I think it's pretty simple, but I think, you know, um, prayer, reading our Bible, um, Reading your Bible. You should read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you should read your Bible. You should go buy one. If you don't have a Bible, we have some here if you need one. Um, And then um, the third thing that I feel is super important um, is attending a local church, being plugged into a local church. Um, I didn't choose to live my life to serve and grow the local church because I didn't believe that it actually matters. Um, I think um, that it does significantly matter. And I think in the last year, one of the things that has been battled the most in this pandemic world or whatever you want to call it um, is the desire to gather. Um, The the world has placed a fear on it. Um, They have placed it into a category that is now negotiable, whether you do it or not. You can do it multiple ways. But I don't think that anything um, takes away from gathering together with other believers um, in the house of God Um, for worship, for sermons and growth, and also for groups. So I think, you know, prayer, reading your Bible, going to church, same things that somebody would have, Homer Sipple would have told me um, in 96. You know, I think it's the same thing. And um, what about you? What do you think the three principles are that would, uh, or disciplines that have made you successful in your Christian walk? Yeah, daily prayer life, um, the Word of God, getting into it, and and just life within um, a local body of believers um, the first pastor we, we ever had together, um, she mentioned his name, Pastor Homer Sipple. He always said, if, Chad, if you'll pray and read your Bible and attend church, he said, you'll do just fine. Um, and over the years, all these years later, I'm telling you, if you pray every day, read your Bible every day, and you're involved in the life of this community, 
your life is going to prosper. It's going to do really, really well. Um, and I do think it has been fault over this last year. Um, and a lot of people will say it's not that important. Um, then you're telling God what he said is not important. I mean, that's, that's, you're challenging God. You say, well, I can do this at home. Uh, you, you can, but it is not the same as the ecclesia, the gathering of rulers who have been set apart, called out of darkness, into God's light. There are things we get when we gather together corporately that you cannot get sitting behind a computer screen. That's fact, that's truth, that's word. Uh, so pray, read your Bible, get your behind the church. I mean, when you kind of go against the word of God with something like that, yeah. and I get it, I'm going to get some pushback, probably somebody will email me. I don't check my email that often, so if you want to, you can email me this week and tell me how much you don't like me. But um, rebellion in the sense of that isn't really that much different than rebellion of homosexuality. I mean, if you want to talk about sin, if he says to go to church and you don't go to church, if he says to have a relationship with... You know, we, do we believe the whole Bible, church? I guess that's what I, you know, I think we need to remember. And so right. don't let the enemy take something that is meant to feed you spiritually, to feed you um, in, your, in, your, in your daily walk and remove it and then think that he's doing you a favor. And I think what's interesting, if I could just add this, is the same people that will say that now, given a pandemic, they still go to Walmart, still go to their job, still go to the ball field. It's like... So the only place that you can't go that you have to do online is church. The devil is a liar. I'll just call it what it is. Yeah. I think, you know, we just need to remember not to be deceived on things yeah. because the enemy will find any way he can to, um, to remove things that, that assist us in our walk. Um, he'll take things away from you if you'll, if you'll let him. And so just don't hand over those things. Um, last question. If you could recommend one book besides the Bible to assist in your Christian walk, what would it be? What books have spoken to um, you the most? I think it would be really hard to narrow down books uh, to one. I think it depends on what season of life you're in. Um, when I first got saved, the book that totally transformed the way I viewed God and my relationship with God, some of you will remember the book, but it was a book written by Tommy Tenney uh, called God Chasers. And I read that book, and we were driving back from a trip, um, and as I read that book, I cried all the way home. Um, the book opened up so much to me because I had no idea, even though I grew up in a church, that I could know God on an intimate level the way he explained it in God Chasers. So in that season of my life, um, God Chasers would have been a book um, when I was trying to discover my purpose, like, God, what, what am I on earth to, you know, to do or accomplish? Uh, for me, it was Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. Um, and, and so that was a book in that season. Uh, when I became pastor of this church, there was a book that most of you would not care about, but it was a leadership book for pastors called Simple Church. And it just helped get rid of all the things you don't need in, at a church so that you could focus on what God, and it was just life-changing for me as a, as a 29-year-old pastor. Um, and so that was years ago. And then in other seasons, it's been books like John Maxwell's Winning with People um, because we're in the people business. So I think it would depend on what season you're in. Uh, you know, for a business leader, it may be Jim Collins' Good to Great that you, you know, would be the book you would need to read. If you're, if you're in business and you've never read that book, I would encourage you to pick it up and read it. It's been a game 
changer in the business industry uh, for the last decade. It's a, it's, it's a book you should pick up and read. So I would just say it depends on what season of life you're in. How about you? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think the most important thing to remember is leaders are learners. Right. And if you're in the kingdom business, you're a leader. Um, he's, he wants you to lead others to him. So um, in addition to the Bible, I think it's important for us to, you know, to read daily, um, to 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 challenge our thought process, to read authors and um, and things to just to grow ourselves. And again, sometimes with business, there's something like that that we've read that were leadership and stuff. I remember back... Probably, like, I don't know, what would it have been? Like, 97, 98, I was probably 18, 19 years old. I remember reading uh, Smith Wigglesworth's Greater Works, um, not something most people are going to pick up uh, and read. Um, but the, the miracles, um, but not just the miracles, the, oh, gosh, obedience, the, 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 the way he set his life apart um, yeah. in order to see those sort of miracles, um, you know, the, the crazy faith that he would say and do things in that I would, you know, it just challenged my faith uh, tremendously right. um, because, you know, obviously I don't on a regular basis see people raised from the dead, um, but I do believe that it can occur. And um, it was just, you know, the way that he lived his life, you know, I think it was, you know, he wouldn't even let like a newspaper come in the door of the house, like you know, like and you just—it wasn't the Bible; it wasn't allowed in. Yeah, yeah. and so it's just those little things that you know, and we wonder how far we've drifted, and um, as a society, what we allow to penetrate through our eyes, our ears. Um, we absorb a lot sometimes, I think, that we don't even realize that we're absorbing. And if it's not the Word of God, and it's not growing us in our relationship with him, I think sometimes we should realize that some of those things need to be cautiously approached. I mean, maybe not completely avoided, but so uh, Smith uh, Wigglesworth, you know, that's an author that, you know, none of, nobody's probably reading that much on. But uh, the other one, I'll go to the other end of the spectrum, a, a book that I really love that we did a small group on um, several years ago, a big small group. Um, it was Stephen Verdick's uh, Unqualified. And, um, you know, I don't know that anybody wouldn't benefit from that book because it just talks about... Um, it spoke to me in regards to the season we were in as far as growing and am I even qualified to lead a group of people of that size? Am I even qualified to, you know, speak on his behalf to try to teach others about a word and a, and a, and a Bible that I'm still trying to determine and, 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 and decipher myself um, on the daily, depending upon the season of life that I'm in? So I think it was a really good one. I'm sure there's more if I'd gone in. I just didn't get it into my library yesterday to uh, in, in my office to look at it. But there's so many great books, so just read. Uh, I, I encourage you just to read. I just think it's an art that people don't do enough of. Right. I try to teach my, my kids already. Leaders are readers. If you're not reading, you're not leading. So uh, I think it's a great question. Matter of fact, I think, thank you. All seven questions were great, yes. though different, so thank you for sending those in. Yes, thanks for being honest and, uh, and letting us know some of the things that you uh, wanted to know a little bit more about. Um, we, we love this and, you know, we do get questions a lot of times just throughout the week and then after a certain series or, um, things like that. But we, um, we're not afraid to talk about the topics of the Bible because, um, ultimately that's how we grow. Um, and don't you be afraid to talk yeah. about the, the, you know, the don't topics be of the to Bible. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions, but also don't be afraid to say, I don't know. 
Yeah. I think a lot of times um, we are um, we want to be people who have an answer for everything. And I often tell my small group leaders that um, if you don't know the answer to something when they ask you, don't be intimidated by that. Say, I'm not 100% sure. Let me do some research and I'll get back with you. The last thing we want to lead off of is just um, our own personal examples and, 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 and life uh, experiences and not look back at the Word of God to see if it is different than that because sometimes what we feel in our heart you know what does it say about the heart you know it's it's deceitful you know it it lies to us and so I think that you know sometimes it's important to pause long enough to say I don't know but I'll find the answer or I will seek that out with you and we'll and we'll discover it together because sometimes that's what causes you to dig into the word of God it causes you to study more to grow and so um, I think it's important to to never be afraid to to say, I don't know. Yeah, so good, so good. Did you get something from the Word of God today? I hope you got something. Would you stand with us? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of minutes. You may be here today, and it's not really a question you have of saying, I don't, I don't know something, but maybe you're here and you would say, I don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I can promise you that the Holy Spirit is here to draw you into a relationship with Jesus. And you don't have to leave here the same way you came in. I'm gonna ask our prayer team and staff to go ahead and get in place. We're gonna do one more worship song after I give an opportunity for those that may be here in person or online to come into a relationship with Jesus. If you're in-house and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him, to have my sins forgiven. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I wanna know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Anyone at all, anyone at all, you say, that's me. Those watching online, we wanna give you the same opportunity. We would love to pray with you. And it's real simple, just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I am a sinner, I've committed sins, I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We believe that if you prayed that prayer today that you are born again and you are a child of God. As the prayer team and staff get in place, these altars are open. If you need prayer for anything at all, please don't hesitate and don't leave without it. Before we sing, let's give God one more praise today. Can you do that? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.